Welcome to Out of the Comfort Zone. When you lead from a base of expertise, your confidence and credibility are derived from your knowledge. People follow you as a result. However, when you take a stretch assignment and span outside of your comfort zone, leading requires a different approach, one of influence, inspiration, compromise, and courage. We are here to talk about how to take that next step and keep going. Now, here is your host, Wanda Wallace. Welcome to Out of the Comfort Zone. It seems that everybody I'm talking to inside an organization wants to have some sense of purpose. It's a hot word these days. And yet, too many of the top leaders that I interact with don't seem to be willing, maybe even interested in taking the time to discuss the topic. I think they know that it matters. I think they don't know where to begin. And it seems too long of a journey and too complicated with too many other pressing issues. Now, we're not talking about social responsibility or corporate sustainability or becoming something like um, Patagonia where you give back or that. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about that feeling that gives clarity and direction to the decisions that we make, a sense of, some would might say, fulfillment. But today, I want to talk about why it matters, why purpose matters. I want to talk about where you begin your journey, and I want to talk about why it's worth the effort. So with me today is Nick Craig. Nick is president of the Core Leadership Institute, which is a global development firm committed to waking up those who will wake up the many by inspiring them to discover their purpose and equipping them to lead authentically. So Nick has worked for over 25 years as a leadership consultant and a career coach and recognizes that senior leaders need most of all access to their deeper wisdom in challenging times. And he's integrated the work on purpose with the authentic leadership work that he did earlier. His insights are captured in a book currently from 2018 called Leading from Purpose. I should add that he's also the author of Finding Your True North, a personal guide that was written with Bill George and also the field book that goes with that, Discovering Your True North field book. Now, Nick has worked in partnership with a host of corporations and academic institutions, including companies like Ben & Jerry's, Heineken, ING Bank, Lego, Unilever, Wharton's Advanced Management, and the U.S. Navy Academy, or Military Academy, excuse me, at West Point. And you can find more about Nick's work at www.coreleader.com. Nick, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me today. I'm thrilled. I think this is, I think it's a hugely important topic. I think we have to figure out ways of helping leaders lean into this discussion, and that's what I'm excited and start talking about. But let's start with you. I'm interested in what got you focused first on this thing about purpose in particular. Yeah, so the, 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 my original plan was to focus just on authentic leadership. And so in about 2006 or seven, Bill George and I uh, created the lexicon and the material and that's referenced in the book you just mentioned, that became the course book for the MBA class at Harvard Business School. And what we realized was early on was purpose needed to be one of the things that we covered. But in the scheme of things, it was sort of low on the list. And um, the first, one of the big corporate clients that we had an opportunity to do this work with was working with um, 30 of GE's top 300, which I wouldn't recommend to anybody to pilot anything, but there we were. And um, as we did it, then one of the things that they were interested in for reasons we thought was, didn't make any sense was purpose. And so it was there along with some other things we did. And for about three years, we got to work with 30 of the top 300. And what's interesting is that we went through 
the Great Recession. And during that time, um, GE stock went from 56 to 6. And there's no better place to be in doing leadership development than when that happens because you find out what really works. So what was interesting was that um, about 2010, they they would always have alumni come through the program, but about 2010, some of our alumni that we'd worked with came back through the program and the participants said, well, so what, what helped during these most incredibly challenging times of uncertainty? And time after time, people would sort of look at them, pause for a second, and they would talk about their purpose, which for the first time it happened, I fell off my chair because I was like, what are they talking about? But it turned out, they said, look, I can't give you, I couldn't give anybody stock options, I couldn't give anybody, because they were worth nothing, I couldn't even keep, guarantee I could keep everybody's salary, but we had to do things that were going to be more difficult than any ever before. And you know, my purpose is, and this one guy person said, my purpose is to be the whitewater raft guy that safely gets you to the other side. And that came from an experience earlier in their life where they actually had done that as a, uh, in their 20s. But it was a metaphor for sort of who they are and who their, their, their presence and their sense of purpose. And fundamentally, the crew said, look, that's the only reason we're here with you, Jim, anyway. And it was when I began to realize that purpose has an interesting role to play in times of uncertainty is that it's the only thing, think about it, it's the only thing that doesn't change. Hmm. We all get older. Our, our whatever role we have today will not have for most of our, all of our life. Okay? Um, most every title, role, or something that has been given to us, somebody gave to us and possibly somebody can take away. Um, purpose is the only thing that doesn't change. So in some ways, if we think about leading in these times of increased uncertainty, I think the reason why purpose has become so topical is because at some intuitive level, people are wanting something that they can stand on that doesn't change. I certainly feel that in the clients that I talk to, especially when I talk in the middle of the organization, there is this hunger for some sense of why this effort is worthwhile. Why? Who am I in the midst of all of this? And I don't even think people know how to frame the question. What I don't, what I am finding a little more difficult is convincing people in the upper ranks of the of the organization. And I'm not talking about the top 100 as much as I am talking about the next 200 down. Um, convincing them that this is worth the time. So why do you say it's worth the time? So think of it this way. Um, For everybody listening, think about the least purposeful person you've ever worked for and what that felt like. Now, whenever I ask that question, there's a wonderful list of extremely negative characteristics and traits people come up with. (laughs) It's a really compelling list. It's like, oh my goodness, this is why we all left that company, right? Now, on the other side of the coin, think about the most purposeful leader you've worked for. And what were they like? Okay. You know, one of my think senses, what most people will come up with is um, um, engaging, energized, uh, focused, clear on where they wanted to go. Um, you know, it was a wild ride. It wasn't always like a lot of fun, but it was wild and it was never boring. And some of the other characteristics, in some sense, at the core, that's what we all need, okay? Is we, you know, the question is, is that 
It's the person that we report to. And for any of those people that we're talking about in the middle, if we interviewed the people a couple of layers below them and said, well, what do you think about this mm-hmm. person? It would be interesting as to how, wherever they would put them on the range of purposeless versus purposeful. Mm-hmm. And what two points increase in purposeful would do to how people are feeling engaged and willing to go the extra mile. Mm-hmm. Look, I think that the reality is that in every organization that we work with, they are number one or number two in their industry, but there's a lot of other people who have equally capable, skilled people working for them. And the difference that makes the difference is what is it that my group of people that is working in my company are able to do that is the 5 or 10% more compelling, innovative, creative than the same equally skilled people in the other organization. And for me, that in some sense, when, when you have a group of people who have a sense of purpose and they have a clear purpose, each of them, as, as to why they're there, they naturally bring that extra 5 or 10%. And that's the difference that makes the difference. So, yeah. Yeah. So, Nick, describe what somebody who is purposeful uh, tell me what. Tell me a little bit about how they are defining. Yes, I just need an example. What does that look like? Being a purposeful leader. Yeah. So let me give you an example because you know, in some sense, my definition of purpose is it's the unique gift that you bring to the world. So if we okay. replaced you, Wanda, with someone else doing this conversation. They might do an interesting job, but they wouldn't do it the way you do it. There's something you bring to this experience and this dialogue that's different than anyone else. And in some sense, that's a link to that purpose that is working through you. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, when we know what it is, then we can lead from it. And if we can lead from it, then we really step fully into it. I just did an interview, a 360 interview on a CEO, and the person said to me, you know, the problem with this CEO right now is that – in Instead of being really relational or results-driven, they're trying to straddle the middle because they don't want to piss anyone off. But if they were just to be who they are, which is on one extreme or the other, it's okay because some people would be pissed off and some people would be happy, but everybody would actually feel comfortable that they're actually finally being authentic. Mm-hmm. So in some sense, what they were saying was is that you, you can't fake it to make it in the stuff that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. But you know, an example I'll give you is I have this woman... I met her name is Anna, and she's a lawyer in New York. And when I met her, she was like the traditional, buttoned-up, effective, productive lawyer person. Okay? And we all know someone like this. And she wasn't either a masculine or feminine. She was just a lawyer. Okay? Mm -hmm. Her identity was that of a lawyer. And so she goes through our program, and what's interesting is that she was in one of my subgroups, and one of the things we'll do is we'll have people tell stories of what some of their magical moments from their childhood, okay? And it's one of the many questions that we ask. And for her, she transforms into this completely different person. She talked about um, being on the stage and singing Broadway songs and helping other people do it and directing plays. And this whole thing came out, and she said, you know, I think, and we said, well, our, her purpose is inspire others to take a chance and own the stage, well, the interesting thing for everybody that was sitting there when she said that was is we all looked at her and said, well, what would it look like for you to own the stage in the role you have? And it was almost like somebody, it was like a, it was like a lightning hit her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> her 
smoke come at, coming out of her. And she's like, you're right. So from then on, when people walked into her office, um, she wouldn't, she, the lawyer stuff was there, but the marketing people would show up and she'd say, how do we make this marketing event 10 times more compelling? The salespeople would come in and say, so that's good, but how do we actually really get customers to want to buy us, buy what we do in a completely different way that transforms our relations? And they're all looking at her going, you're supposed to do the legal thing. What? But they all ended up going to her because she was the one who helped them think. Now, what happened is her identity transformed from that of being a lawyer to that of being her purpose, and sometimes he's a lawyer. Mm-hmm. That's what purpose okay. will do. Okay. All right, you've used this word, that makes a lot of sense to me, that sense of I know what it is in effect that gets me excited. You said it's the unique gift I bring to the world, but it's also that part of where I be, where I have a little bit of that childlike wonder, if you want. And I do many things, we all do many things in the course of our day, so not getting the identity attached to all of the things we do, but being very clear what it is that... I'm here to ignite. Is that a good way of saying it? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you've used this word authenticity. Um, I find we all throw that word around. We all think it matters an awful lot. We don't want to work for somebody who's inauthentic. But most people have a judgment about whether somebody's authentic or inauthentic without actually knowing much about it. So how does this work on purpose fit or not fit with authenticity? Well, I think they're, they're sort of interrelated. It's almost like you can't separate one from the other. My, my sense from having done all the work over the, the last 10 or 15 years on authentic leadership, in some sense, purpose is the stage in which all the other aspects of authenticity uh, perform on whether it's your, your, your values or your self-awareness or what motivates you um, or your ethics, all of those, in some ways, purpose is about how you go about doing those in a way that's different than someone else. Um, there's 800 canonized saints in the Catholic religion. They all have the same values, but the reason there's 800 of them is they each had a different purpose. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, I think that when I've done this work with people, there's a lot of the insights that they're getting about who are they on the inside and what is their expression of what is the... Authenticity isn't about being a one-trick pony. True authenticity is about realizing that you can uh, adjust your style but not lose who you are. Okay? That's the difference that makes the difference because people seem to think authenticity is... You know, do uh, here's who I am, and I'm not changing. Yeah. I think that's what we call a jerk for the most part. Yeah. <laughs> um, as opposed to, uh, this is, you know, I'm going to do this a different way, but I'm not going to lose myself. I'm not going to become someone else. I'm still going to be myself as I do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And there's a part of it that people go, okay, that's actually real, because that's them doing this. But... We also know people that once they put the suit on, they become the suit, and then they may go, well, what happened to you? I mean, so many times people say to me, they became a senior vice president, and it's like they completely changed, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's inauthenticity at its core. Mm-hmm. But that means that I need to know, I have some sense of meaning of who I am and what I'm about. Otherwise, as I step into each role, I really do put on the suit or the mask, and that's it. I'm just going through the part. Exactly. Okay. 
Um, welcome to the show. I mean, I, most welcome. of the work I do is, 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 I get, most of the leaders I get are ones who are no longer uh, paid for their expertise. Mm-hmm. They, they're now in charge of all these other people who are as good as they are, and they're trying to deal with the struggle of who are they. Mm-hmm. And their identity needs to shift from that of being the world's expert to being the leader of people who are world's experts. And as one of the guys I was talking with today uh, from Ben & Jerry's, he was saying, you know, I've been here for 31 years. This is the chief ma- uh, marketing officer. And he says, you know, it no longer matters what my ideas are. What I need to do is to help they, them make their ideas real, even if it's not as good as I would do, because that's going to energize the people that work for me. Mm-hmm. And I go, okay, mm-hmm. that's what a real leader looks like, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's news. That is music to my ears, um, Nick. Because I believe that this transition of getting out of your expertise is one of the single hardest things in the world. Your identity is wrapped around being the expert who knows the answer. Your credibility comes from that, and you think, if I don't have the content, how can I be sure that everything's right? And that statement you just said it brilliantly. That it's not that my ideas, my ideas don't matter. I have to make their ideas work, even if they're not great or not what I not as well, good as mine. I have to thank the chief marketing officer for Ben and Jerry's because he said it, and I was like, "Oh, that is really good." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Great. So yeah, I, okay. I think the, the challenge, the challenge for all of us, the challenge for all of us is, um, you know, what is it that our identity is based on? And in some sense, I think the beautiful thing about purpose is it's the only identity that's yours that no one can take away. And if you own that, then it gives you so much more freedom to not have to be so hooked on whatever the other versions are. You still have them as roles you play. It's different. Mm -hmm. You know, a role is very different than an identity. Yeah. Yeah, I find it interesting that we are coming back around to that discussion about identity um, I, I'm not sure we've labeled that broadly enough for what it is to get out of the role and get into the identity, but I think it's a huge part of people feeling a sense of satisfaction in the work that they do, pride in the effort that they put in, and a whole host of other factors that we'll talk about in a moment. But for you, that sore core of identity is really what you mean by purpose. Yeah, in some ways, purpose is that is, is you know, if you focus on that is 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 the thing that defines you, then it will always be there. And you know, we all live in industries in which anybody think they're going to have the job they've got now five or ten years from yeah. now. I mean, I, I was on a plane with a guy who has been a, was a Delta pilot for 30 years. I'm like, how many other companies can you say that that's going to be the case anymore? Like, wow. Right. Yeah, at the current rate, I'm going to be amazed if any companies exist for longer than 30 years. But it's, um, it's we're watching them fall one by one. So, Nick, let's shift the tide and talk for a minute about how. Um, So I can buy, I can see, I can recognize the need for leaders to understand that core about themselves that nobody can take away, that sort of defines the unique gift you bring to the world um, and understanding that it's more than the role I play, it's more than the expertise I have, it's kind of what is the base of me inside. Okay. Now, lovely. How? How do we get to understand what that thing called purpose is? So yeah. So here's the good news: the the the, 
the way you access purpose, um, think of it this way. Most, when most people come to me, the thing that they want is they want a good purpose statement. And in mm-hmm. some ways, a purpose statement is like the title to a movie. Mm-hmm. So if I say Princess Bride to you, did you ever see Princess Bride? No, but I know what you're talking okay, well, about. Let's put it this way. I could say Star Wars. Okay, so yeah. Empire Strikes Back, right? You know, the number of night titles I can use. But the interesting thing is, is if it's a movie you've seen, then your relationship to the title is that you, you're in the movie, right? Mm-hmm. And like with Princess Bride, you never saw it. But for anybody listening, those who have seen it, they're like, they all jump, they'll all jump up and down because they get really excited because mm-hmm. this is this amazing movie they saw, which you have to go mm-hmm. see over the weekend. And yeah. so um, it, the purpose is about the movie, not the title. So people can say, here's my purpose statement. And I go, well, that's interesting. That's the title to a movie. What's the movie? Now, what does that mean is it's, it's the stories in our life and how we, and telling those stories is what helps us access purpose. And for me, there are three major access points, and different ones of them speak to us more strongly than others. Okay. And the three main access points are, one is, as I talked about earlier, is those magical moments in our childhood before the world told us who we should be as to what really, where that curiosity as a kid most showed up. And many of us may not have had a wonderful childhood, but there's moments where that was the case. And what were those? That's one access. The other access point is um, most of us, and I don't know of anybody who hasn't, has been deeply tested in our life and events have happened that have been difficult and challenging. The difficult, challenging stuff isn't our purpose, but how we climb out of that hole is unique to each one of us and is usually, in many cases, a beautiful expression of our purpose. And telling those stories and looking at how we uh, go from surviving to thriving, okay, is a beautiful place where purpose resides. The third place that we access, that purpose shows up a lot, is for some of us, There's a deep passion that we have for something. It could be drawing. It could be writing. It could be uh, playing chess, skiing. It's something that is, whenever we do it, is elemental to who we are. Um, It may not be something we do now, but it's something that has been a a significant part of our life. And in Mm -hmm. there is a moment, experience, a relationship to what you're doing that is a, a beautiful expression of your purpose. So, Nick, you know, if I just sit down and start writing these stories, um, and yep. is it possible for me to see the themes that create purpose myself, or is this something I need somebody else to reflect on with me? Yeah, so our experience has been is that um, we normally do this over a two- or three-day process, and usually you're in a group of four or a group of six, and most, 90% of the time, the person themselves is struggling with how to articulate what is the theme through the stories, okay? And it's really in the dialogue of the witnessing that the rest of us have of you, Wanda, that we go, no, Wanda, here's what we see. And then you go, oh, okay, all of a sudden it all starts to come together. And it's not us coming up with crazy words for us. It's coming up with looking at your stories and saying, well, if, you know, here's three or four words that keep showing up in every one of your stories and then helping you see that. So my experience is that it tends to be a joint journey to discover the words. 
in some ways, at the same time, um, the stories themselves are the movie, and mm-hmm. that's the a rich access point to purpose. Okay, so in the context of trying to um, help people make a step in the right direction based on listening to this, look, go write down some of these stories and tell them to somebody, and the energy that you have and that place that you're in, uh, that curious kid, if it's inside of you jumping up and down, that's the place of purpose, okay? And you can put whatever tile you want on it, okay, Um, and play with it. But that's, in some sense, the most important part. Got it. I can imagine that these two- to three-day workshops are pretty powerful for people. I mean, for one, sitting around with three or four other people and telling all of the significant stories of your life in and of itself is a pretty powerful experience and something we don't do very often in lives anymore. Um, But then trying to knit those together into some sort of understanding of themes or meaning or curiosity would be amazing. It is truly, it's just like the level of, you know, one of the big things that um, Amy Edmondson has been doing a wonderful job Mm -hmm. of getting people to focus on is the power and importance of psychological safety for teams to be high performing. And our experience is that when we've done this with teams, the level of psychological safety that is created is exponential relative to what there was before. And it truly, truly telling these stories and sharing these stories is probably one of the most powerful things that anybody can do to be authentic in the journey with each other. Okay. So these stories rip away all titles. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my goodness. I can imagine that one. All right. I, I have to bite on this one for a minute with a team. You actually take teams and have them sit around and tell these stories to each other. And people don't get freaked out about doing that? No, no, no. I mean, no, they don't. I mean, uh, look, it helps to have a Harvard Business Review article <laughs> and a book and all the things that go along with it. Because the truth is that to, to get people who don't do this, you're going to have to give them um, a good convincing set of things that helps them say, okay, this is going to be okay. Yeah, right? right. And so, I mean, we've worked with some really testy characters and um, from industries that I would just never expect to want to do these things. And the truth is that the one thing everybody does want to know is it's like, why am I really, why am I really here? But nobody wants to say, I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Right. But everybody loves knowing. Right. So some of the almost our biggest Supporters are the people who usually come in with their arms crossed going, okay, I am not into this thing. Doing it in in Oklahoma with oil and gas guys was probably one of my moments where I thought, okay, this isn't going to work. It so worked. It was like, oh, my goodness, we ran programs there for so many years, and it was like the one thing that they said, I don't care what this is. is, We love this thing. And so I just, I've never, you know, it's it's interesting to, at some core level, um, everybody wants to know. Yeah, I, I think that's true. And I think you're right that nobody wants to say that they don't know and everybody wants to hide behind, well, it's all about money, um, which is just an excuse to get off the topic, I think, rather than to actually lean into what it is that motivates me, let alone everybody else. Um, I have one last question that we're going to take a break. This notion of telling the stories to each other 
and a team, you said the, the psychological safety is exponential. Why do you think that creates so much psychological safety? Look, I don't think these are stories that most of us have ever told ourselves, much less anyone mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. And in telling them, we get to see the person at their best that they have never even seen themselves at or remembered. And uh-huh. it's like you, you awaken to the real gift that you are, and other people are co-experiencing it in real time with you and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing that that does other than it's like the ultimate experience of authenticity, which is that nothing has been rehearsed. Mm-hmm. And it's all 100% real, and it's not purity. It's usually messy stuff. When we have people tell some of their most challenging life stories, you know, at the end of it, what people say is, I feel so humbled to be in this group because, you know, I don't think my stories were anywhere as challenging as somebody else's. And, I, you know, I've had people say, you know, I really want to apologize for having a really great childhood. Yeah, right. <laughs> and the whole room laughs hysterically, and they're like, well, you know, it's like you guys told some stories, and I'm just like, wow. You know, it's, so I think there's, we're all so desperately hungry for that deeper, deeper sense of truth. Okay, and in some ways, this is the way we design, we design this so that people can actually go there in a safe way. And since everybody goes equally to that place, it makes it safe for everybody to be there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense to me. I fundamentally believe that teams that are genuinely humming, singing and dancing, performing, like it's just one of those awesome team dynamics experiences and everybody will look back on their life and say that was a magical moment. That those teams are the teams that figure out how to do vulnerability with each other. And that that vulnerability is the secret sauce that really builds the trust, the openness, the listening, the debate, the contention, the buy-in, the commitment, the everything we want. But you can't get there without the vulnerability. And what you're saying is, I think, is that these stories allow all of us to be a bit vulnerable with each other in a real, genuine, legitimate way. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's the... You know, Google spent millions and millions of dollars trying to figure out which teams were more effective than others and what was the characteristic that had teams be much more successful. And they were looking for all kinds of things, and none of them added up. Nothing nothing was making any sense. They didn't, and until they stumbled on exactly what you've said, and when they looked at the teams where there was the more the transparency, the vulnerability, and um, the level of everyone being able to have input, um, and in having a dialogue and having it be sort of messy, those are the ones that were incredibly, like, the factor of three times more successful than all the other teams who had all the right people and everything else on it. And it gets back to that conversation about when you have that psychological safety, then it allows for the best thing in the moment to show up from the person that is the person that can bring that to the table. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. I'll- we're going to take a break, but I just have one kind of concluding comment. As everybody knows, um, inclusion and inclusive culture is something that's near and dear to my heart and something that's a worthy cause to strive for in organizations, but equally something we don't understand yet very well. But this is what it is. I mean, I think that's it, heart and soul right there. If you went to this place of understanding each person's unique gift in the team that's around you and you did that by sharing their real stories, the important stories of their lives, 
um, the events of their lives and creating that kind of psychological safety, we wouldn't need to be talking about inclusivity anymore. It would be done. Mm-hmm. Yep. And on that note, mm-hmm. we'll take a break. So with me today is Nick Craig. He's the president of Core Leadership Institute. The book that we have been talking about is Leading from Purpose. Um, you can also see Nick's books, Finding Your True North, a personal guide, and Discover Your True North field book. Or find more about Nick at www.coreleader.com. So when we come back from the break, I want to talk about what purpose buys you. So you've done all this work. What do you get as a payoff in return? We'll be right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. If you want more information on the articles, books, coaching, and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. You're sure to find some helpful links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. Leadership Forum, Inc., helping organizations get it and keep it. This is Wanda Wallace, host of Out of the Comfort Zone. Do you find yourself in a role where your team knows more than you know? Are you struggling to see how you now add value? For years, I've coached leaders who have moved beyond the comfort zone of their expertise and have developed a methodology to help them make the leap and go on to do more. All of those tips are now packed into my new book, You Can't Know It All. Visit our website at leadership-forum.com or tune in to Out of the Comfort Zone for more insight. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Leading outside of your comfort zone is a delicate balance. You need new skills and new ways of working. To reach the program today, send an email to wanda.wallace at leadershipforuminc.com. That's wanda.wallace at leadershipforuminc.com. Now, back to Out of the Comfort Zone. Welcome back to the show. With me today is Nick Craig. The book we've been talking about is Leading from Purpose. Actually, I don't think we've been talking about the book. I think we've been talking about the magic of understanding that core essence that is you, the unique gift that you bring, what it is you're really about. And as Nick says, it's the thing that stays stable when all else around you changes. So we've talked a lot about how to begin to find this. And Nick says that it's about telling the stories of your lives, the magical moments in your life, the times and trials of hardship as well, and climbing out of that time and trial of hardship, as well as um, understanding something that you have a deep passion for, just in telling those stories and then having other people reflect back to what it is that you're hearing. And I love the notion that you can take teams through this and create enormous psychological safety as a result. So with that, Nick, I want to go back to this whole thing of the impact of purpose. When I lead from purpose, what do I Mm -hmm. get? 
And one of the things that you say is there is a clarity of focus. So tell me, A, what you mean by that, and B, how that works. Yeah, so one of the things that I, to, to, the only reason the book exists is that I decided to do, after about 10 years of doing this, I started, decided I would go back and interview some of the senior leaders I'd worked with and try to figure out what actually does purpose do. And the main reason I decided to do that was is I wanted to figure out whether I'd been wasting my life energy on something that didn't have any impact or, whether, or was this a place where I should spend the next 10 years? So it was, a, it was me wanting to know the answer for myself as much as anything else. And what was interesting is, is that I would talk with all these individuals and I was looking for, well, does it make you happy? Does it do this or whatever? And to some degree, there's a bunch of things that it, it sort of has an impact on. But what people really at some point would do is they'd sort of say, listen, you know, stop asking all these questions. Let me tell you what really this thing does. And they would say, in my times of greatest not knowing and uncertainty about a decision I needed to make, either in a role I was in or whether I would take a job or whatever the case may be, when I listened to my purpose, it truly, truly took me home. And I can see how it truly knew what I myself wouldn't be able to know, but when I listened to my purpose, it was the answer that I needed to follow. And this is what people kept saying to me time and time again. And one of the examples that I, I can use is I, I worked with this guy, and um, he had turned around a business over two years and, if, and was about to get this two-step promotion. And, and so we, we worked on his stories. And when we looked at his, his stories, the, 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 what we came up with for the title to the movie was to help others thrive in paradox and ambiguity for things that really matter. And for him, what that meant was is that he was the best when all hell was breaking loose. But it wasn't just because it was breaking loose, but it was for, you know, in only situations where it really would make a difference in the world, as in it would have some impact other than just making a product. Mm-hmm. Okay? And so the interesting thing was is he was in a role where that was the case. But the promotion that he was being offered, which was the one he'd spent his whole life preparing for, would put him in a role where he would never be doing that again. So he turned it down. Wow. Okay. And he stayed as CEO of Ben and Jerry's for eight years. <laughs> now, this is a, you know, now, you know, if I said Ben and Jerry's to everybody up front, you'd all say, well, you know, of course you'd keep that job. But, you know, it really wasn't at the time. It didn't. Right. But the truth is, is that, you know, Ben and Jerry's, the, the CEO roundtable came up with this thing recently, which many of us have seen of, oh, you know, it's not just about making money. It's also about having a positive impact on people and having a sense of purpose and so forth. Well, Ben and Jerry's has had a, a three-part mission for the last 30 years. And the three-part mission is similar to everyone else's, which is make a good quality product that people want to buy. That's great. But the second one is make sure that everybody that we work with in our whole supply chain gets paid a good day's wage. And the third piece is we are here to have a social impact on the planet. Mm. Okay? Now, in some ways, Ben & Jerry's is actually living everything that the CEO Roundtable says, oh, we just finally realized for the last 30 years. And, you know, they um, have flavors that have, have a Black Lives Matter flavor that came out right before the last election that upset a bunch of police departments that then they got such negative feedback they ended up hiring a number of 
um, black officers that they wouldn't have done otherwise because of what happened with this ice cream. Mm-hmm. So they've done a number of things in a number of different contexts, whether it's um, GMO um, sourcing or fair trade for all their products, or they um, have all their uh, brownies are made by uh, people who used to be incarcerated that work mm-hmm. for a particular bakery. So that's the kind of thing that he helped make happen because he stayed, that if he'd left, many of those things might not have happened the same way. Now, obviously, and no CEO by themselves does it because the whole team is an amazing team there. But the combination allowed for something magical to happen. And I don't know, I don't think if he'd figured out his purpose, he would have stayed. Okay. Okay. So every person that I've talked to has a story that sounds like that. And, you know, so that's in some sense the the visceralness of the power of purpose. Okay. That's, it's an incredible story, and knowing a little bit of the history of Ben and Jerry's, I think that's even a more interesting story. And I can imagine people are sitting here, as I'm doing, saying, you really turned down the job that you have been working your whole career to get just because you realized that it wasn't going to give you the satisfaction you were looking for, that sense of purpose that you were looking for. But better that than, you know, A, blow up a really good company that doesn't achieve what he could do, or you not do live the way you want to live or have the impact that you're looking for. Um, I'm assuming, Nick, that when a leader has that much clarity about their own purpose, that it's infectious. Is that true? Yeah. I mean, I think that it, it does, especially in a world in which there seems to be so much uncertainty as to which way the wind's blowing these days. Mm-hmm. I mean, in some ways, it, it really helps people say, well, here's where this person is, here's where they're going, and now I know what that is. Now, mm-hmm. then people have to choose as to whether they want to be on that journey with that person, okay? Mm-hmm. So I've had people choose not to be on that journey with somebody because of the clarity of that person's purpose made it clear as to what direction they were going. Mm-hmm. But I think that's also as powerful as um, anything can be as to having, you know, do you want people who are truly committed or people who are in compliance? Yeah. Yeah, and we all know the answer to that one. You want people who are really in there with you. And, who are, and as you said at the beginning of this, we're really giving their all, that marginal 5 to 10% that's going to make us better and better and better than anyone out there. Um, you also talk, we've talked a little bit about purpose and identity, but you talk about purpose giving a sense of energy. Tell me about those stories. How did that come? How do you come to understand that? Well, you know, as I... Um, as I uh, it's interesting, you know, so um, I had a, I've had a number of people who have taken some incredibly intense jobs, mm-hmm. and what's been interesting is, is that if you looked at it from a, a normal person's perspective of the amount of time and energy that they were dedicating to it, it doesn't look like they could sustain themselves. Mm-hmm. But it's an interesting thing that purpose will do is, is purpose will find energy and a source of energy that is not the one that most people are used to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we can watch, you know, if any movie you watch of anybody that does something really amazing over time, you see them being able to sustain themselves in ways that others can't. All, if we look at people who are masters in any of their disciplines, the reason they're a master is because of this concept of 10,000 hours of practice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They do the boring stuff more than anybody else does. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, I think purpose gives us the ability to do that. There's a, there's a wonderful story that 
um, has become popular recently. It's been around for a long time of this janitor at NASA in the early 60s, and he's, he's washing the floor, and in walks Kennedy and the, his entourage, and Kennedy walks up to this guy, and it's like kind of this embarrassing moment as to what you do, and Kennedy puts out his hand and says, hi, you know, I'm, I'm President Kennedy, and the guy says, yeah. He says, so what do you do around here? And, of course, everybody knows what he's doing, right? So it's right. Kind of, and the guy comes back, and he says, well, I'm helping put a man on the moon, right? And mm-hmm. the truth is that the, the power of that narrative is that I think many of us feel like what we do every day is no different than sweeping the floor. Mm-hmm. Right? And the question then becomes, how do you find meaning in that? Now, you know, uh, putting a man on the moon is a goal instead of a purpose, but at the same time, having a sense of purpose allows us to give meaning to taking out the trash in a way that without that meaning, it's just taking out the trash. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's what we're all looking for is, I don't know about you, but I get the amount of text messages and emails and this social media thing and, and, you know, the energy it takes to keep the beast, feed the beast, it's like, so where are you doing that from? Mm-hmm. Right? Are you doing it from a place of purpose? Or are you doing it because you want to see how many clicks you got? And, you know, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's, there's not much winning when it's about clicks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, the, so where do you, how do you find meaning in all the things that we've got going on in a way that allows us to deal with the taking out the trash as well as the sexy stuff? That's fascinating. I certainly see a lot of people who are burned out by taking out the trash and starting to ask, why am I here and what is this for? But then you're in a bind of you don't know where to go or what else to do or what other job would give you a greater sense of meaning. Um, I, I do think that that is really, really important. You know, a few decades ago, we talked a lot when we were talking about effective leaders. We talked about a word called, um, I think the word that they used was sustainability. Stamina is the word, right? Stamina. Mm-hmm. Having that stamina to keep going. And at the time, I think it was characterized more in terms of health and well-being generally, management of stress, you know, having balance in your life, all those things that you can just keep going. But I think that sort of misses the mark. Because I think you're right. If you have this source of energy for you're doing even the mundane things from a sense of purpose – there is joy in doing them. There's a reason for being doing them, and that is a recent release of energy. It just doesn't become, oh, no, not this again. It becomes something that fulfills, for, that fills you, I think is the word I want to use. Yeah, absolutely. And probably the simplest thing that every, many of us who are listening to this can relate to is having kids. Yeah. So the research shows that having one kid will make you neutral in your happiness. Having two kids will actually put you in the negative column of long-term happiness. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is the research over looking yes. at thousands and thousands of people. And the reason is, is that raising kids actually reduces your happiness because there's a lot of things that happen that are not happy moments where kids are upset, things happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you, when, you get, when you think about when you're with your spouse and the things you argue about, it's the kids that we spend most of our time where mm-hmm. the tension is. And so, at the same time, if you were to say to people, look, we could make you a lot happier. You just not have to, they don't have kids. People look at mm-hmm. you and go, what are you talking about? So, <laughs> in some ways, the level of meaning and fulfillment that we get from having the journey with kids, for those of us who have them, is something that we wouldn't trade for anything. And in some sense, you know, purpose is, in some ways, about that, which is what is it that is more important 
then all the blingy things that we say we want, that when we actually do those, the, the purpose stuff, it keeps us a level of satisfaction and fulfillment that is energizing. It's, a, it's, it's not the high-octane energy of going to a Broadway play and seeing Hamilton mm-hmm. as much as it's, it's more the low-level, consistent energy of basically uh, being able to be, get up in the middle of uh, a winter cold day and be excited about what you're going to go do in that day, which you may have done many times, but there's the possibility of something that's going to happen that you just are curious to see what that is. Mm-hmm. That's a very mm-hmm. different sense of energy. Yeah, yeah. I would Absolutely. say curiosity. When curiosity is present, energy is always going to be there. And when curiosity is not present, you have to get the energy from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Something has to Wait, give that, you energy. That is incredibly profound. Um, I did an interview with Steve Newman um, just recently on this radio show, oh, right. and we were talking about the leader's job is preparing for the future and what that means, what that looks like. And it's not your standard, let me look across the horizon and see where AI is going to take us. Rather, it is a sense of curiosity about a variety of things in the world, and that is fascinating. So if energy, if curiosity is present, then energy will always be there. But if there's no curiosity, you have to get energy from something else, meaning usually I manufacture it. And that it comes old. from outside, and then you're dependent upon that source to re-energize you. Yep. One's internally generated, the other's externally generated, right? Well, one of my passions is about having people have better conversations. I just think we can change the world if we have better conversations. And the phrase that I always say to people is a gentle curiosity about the other oh. party, where they're coming from. Um. And that's what you're saying here, that there's just this curiosity that's going to cause us to behave differently. All right, Nick, one more. If you were to point out of all the stories that you heard from leaders when you go back 10 years later and say, why does this purpose matter? And is it worth spending the next 10 years of my life on it? We've heard about clarity of focus. We've heard about energy. Tell us about one other item that you heard in your stories. Uh, You know, here's the... the, um the thing that I find is the toughest but the most powerful. And in some sense, if I look at the journey of knowing your purpose, the first part is sort of saying, oh, here's what it is and here's how it impacts the world. But the place where you really get congruency and authenticity is where you do the hardest thing, which is how do you apply your purpose to yourself? Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Um, and I would say the shoemaker's children have no shoes is a wonderful metaphor because it's always true. And if I look at most of us in the journey, if we have a sense of what that beautiful purpose is, being thinking that we're actually worthy of receiving it is probably the hardest thing. Mm-hmm. And it's probably the most powerful thing when we do it. Um, the people that I know that do it the best have come up with some type of a daily discipline for how they do that for themselves. Wow. And they are, there's a level of rejuvenation and energy sense of peace that they have that we all know when we're around someone who has that. Mm -hmm. And so in some ways that's the, 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 that's the ultimate, that's the big, uh, that was the hardest piece of the book to write because it was the piece that I was most missing for myself. Mm 
Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, on this call, I mean, you know, it probably sounds like I got all my, I got it all together, and it's like, you know, all that. And there's a lot of things that it's really good, and it, it is. This is the one I struggle with for mm-hmm. myself. Mm-hmm. You know, wow. I, I really, I, you know, the cultural norms of what it means to be successful, and, you know, it's so easy to get trapped into just being on the go and doing stuff. And um, for most of the senior leaders that I've worked with over time, this is the thing that, this is where we spend all of our time now. Is that you know they've achieved all the things that everybody else wants. That now that they got them, they go, okay, well, really, this is what this is. And in some ways, how they apply their purpose to themselves is now the the focus of that. It's the piece that makes everything worth having in a different way. Right. And so that's it's it's not it's a humbling thing to talk about for me because it's something that I still feel that. Um, Oh, I'm about 60 out of 100% there. <laughs> I'm more right. than 50. That's a really good thing. But yeah. I am, it's the part where I'm like, I humble, I'm humbled by this part of the process. Okay. And, right. and I think the thing I also want to say to everybody is the beautiful thing about purpose is my purpose is to wake you up, to truly wake you up and have you finally be home. Huh. And for me to do that for myself is an interesting thing to think about. Um, but the thing about purpose is that you will never fully achieve it. Okay. Right? Wow. It's always, it's always going to be saying, it's always going to say, that's good. Now, here's where we're going to go next. And you're going, oh okay. my goodness. Because it, okay. it, it never stops showing you where the next door is. Okay. Nick, that, on that very powerful note that you will never fully achieve it, that it's a lifelong journey. And I love your mission, your purpose, wake you up and fi- have you finally be home. I think that's awesome. Nick, we're going to have to end here. My guest today is Nick Craig. You can learn a lot more about Nick at his website, www.coreleader.com, or the book Leading from Purpose. Nick, thanks for sharing what's been an incredibly powerful journey. It's clear to hear from the stories. And may the work continue. And to our listeners, join us next week for another episode of Getting Out of Your Comfort Zone. Thank you for joining us today. Tune in for another edition next week with Dr. Wanda Wallace on the Voice America Business Channel. Reach outside your comfort zone this week.